Welcome to Cut the Crap with You Doll, where we cut the crap from your personal and professional relationships through tough, tantalizing, transforming conversation and coaching. Now, here's your host, You Doll. Hi Today, I'm Udall, your host, and you are listening to Cut the Crap with Udall, where we transform professional and personal relationships, one conversation at a time. Call into the show if you have questions or you want to share your comments about our topic of the hour, and you can call in to 619-924-0984. And once again, that is 619-924-0984. 0984. And if you want to listen to us on uh, directly from the internet, from your computer, you can go to uh, www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash cut the crap with Udall. And that'll take you right to the show where you can listen from your computer. Also, uh, you can download the Blog Talk Radio app and access that way as well. So first, you know, we want to get started with our segment, Sizzling Topics in the Cut the Crap Corner. Cut the crap with you, doll. Stirring the pot. Stimulating the mind. Satisfying the appetite. Okay, so our sizzling topic for today... We're going to talk about Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose and his accuser. While we're talking about Derrick Rose today, that's because our topic today for our show is actually going to be about the ego and managing the ego. So uh, we're going to have a guest that's joining us later, Todd uh, Lemency, and he'll be joining us. And first, we want to talk about Derrick Rose and his accuser. Uh, That's our sizzling relationship topic today. So... For those of you who do not know who Derrick Rose is, he's actually a pro basketball player with the New York Knicks, and he's about 28 years old, so uh, fairly young in my neck of the woods, <laughs> and, so forth, and so forth. But okay, so Derrick, let's hear about him. So supposedly, the issue is that Derrick and two of his friends went to visit a woman who he has a relationship with and he says that um, the kind of relationship they have is one with their sexual partners and so, or she's his sex freak. And so she's willing to do whatever. So he took two of his friends over late night to visit her um, and he said she had agreed to have a threesome with them. That's his side. Her side is that she was his friend, maybe even girlfriend, or at least she's dating him, and that he came over with two of his friends and they gang raped her. Two drastically different stories. And according to the evidence, though, and this is the evidence, of course, that I have access to via the media. (laughs) The evidence shows that after the incident, she and he were exchanging amicable text messages. And so now he has appeared before 
uh, a civil court because she's suing him for several million and not criminal court. So criminal charges were not filed against him. Uh, And my understanding is not that she was even pursuing a criminal case, but she definitely went to civil court and was suing him in civil court for money. And the jury there, uh, or the judge and jury, found that they, according to the evidence, they indicated that he he was cleared. He did not owe her any money, and so forth, from this particular situation. Now, of course, it doesn't stop there because she can actually appeal to a higher court, and he actually can still be charged criminally, though. It's highly unlikely, according to the legal experts, uh, because there wasn't enough evidence to even support the whole civil part of it. Okay, so you may say, what does this have to do with relationships? You know, he's the basketball player, she was whoever. What does this have to do with relationships? They have a relationship. So let's talk about this lesson about relationships. Men. If you have been seeing someone, you know, having sex with them or dating them or whatever, don't show up with your friends asking her to have sex with all of them without asking this person beforehand. You have to uh, clear it with the women, uh, with the woman who's involved. You know, you can't coerce her into doing something uh, that she wasn't doesn't want to do because it doesn't help in the end because she could put you into a similar situation uh, as Derek Rose. And this, he's not the first one that this, this has happened to. There are other cases and so forth. And definitely never, ever force a woman to do anything that she does not want to do. As a matter of fact, see, I have two sons. I have one who's 19 and I have another one who's 22. And I mean, I've had this conversation with them, and I've been talking with them about relationships with women for years, since they were like nine, and so forth, probably even before that. Don't hit girls. <laughs> that was one of the big things. But, you know, make sure, men, I'm talking to you right now, make sure you have an explicit, and I say explicit, agreement with the person, with the woman, um, Regarding, you know, anything you're going to do that's out of the ordinary, you know, even when you're going to, even just general sex, you know, make sure the person, uh, particularly if you're not, uh, you're not married, even when you're married, you need to make sure you ask. You, you cannot force yourself on a woman, regardless of your your girlfriend or if they're your wife and so forth. You have to make sure the person's in agreement, and uh, definitely make the person's complete. Make sure they're complete lucid. They're in their right mind. They're not under the influence of drugs or alcohol and so forth. I know some of you guys out there think that if the woman's had a few drinks, you know, her inhibitions will go by the wayside, and that gives you an opportunity to make your move. No. Cut that crap. That is not the way it works. Because if a person is not lucid, if they do not necessarily know what they're doing, you do not have their full consent to engage in sexual activity with them. So don't try to fool yourself into thinking that you do. I find it interesting when men think that 
because the woman is somewhat under the influence that, oops, I can go in now and I can, you know, she knows what she's doing. Because if you do that, then later in life, you know, if you are under the influence and you do something or someone does something to you, you can't use the excuse of I was under the influence. It's not an excuse. So don't try to play that crap around here. And women, you're not off the hook here. So women, I'm concerned that some of you will say yes to please the man because you like him more than he likes you, or you think he likes you as much as he likes you, or you say yes, hoping that you can get him to like you. Sex is not the avenue to the man's mind. It's simply the, the avenue to the man's penis. <laughs> that's, that's all it is. So if he only sees you for sex, you know, such as you haven't been introduced to his family or, you know, or uh, as his love partner, you haven't been introduced to his friends or anything like that. Or, and there's some other factors we could talk about. But if you're just his sex partner, that's the way he sees you, then you're just an object of his desires. Now, to go back to men, just because she's having sex with you does not mean she wants to have sex with your friends. Okay, now let's come back to women. If you're just an object to him, if you're just the sexual toy, the, the sexual person, if you're that just his, um, uh, dang, what's the term I'm looking for? Where, uh, but, you know, I'm, I, I had a, a senior moment. <laughs> but if you're just, the, you know, his sexual partner and so forth, um, then you're just an object of his desires and you have to recognize that. So, so the key is to be very clear about what your relationship is. And oftentimes what I find is that people are unclear about their relationship status with each other. And even if you both think that, okay, we're just having sex or friends with benefits, that was the term I was trying to think of. We're just having sex, you know, we're just having a good time together. We're just hooking up every once in a while, da, 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 da. What you may not understand is what that means. So obviously to Derek in that Derek situation, that hookup, that sexual partner meant that, oh, you know, I can have my friends too. Whereas for the woman, it may not have meant the same thing. So even if it's just a sexual relationship that you have with the person, if that's what you all decided that you have, because I'm not putting any judgment there. I mean, that's okay. If that's what you two have agreed to, but make sure that you understand also what are the parameters around this particular relationship that you have. Another thing, I'm going back to women. Another thing I want to say to you to, for you to consider is that, you know, don't lie about the situation, uh, and particularly don't lie about rape and so forth, because it makes it harder for the real victims of rape. Uh, it makes it hard for them. So be careful about trying to attempt to cash in on uh, from somebody who has money. Uh, this is the case of she was asking for a substantial amount of money in civil court. You know, it just it makes it really hard when someone, a lot of people going around doing false accusations, um, you know, like that Peter cried wolf, the false accusations, one hurts you because if something really does happen to you, then there's 
a tendency where you really have to prove it because people are not going to necessarily believe you in the beginning. But then also it's, 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 it hurts those real victims of rape, you know, those people who really uh, are suffering because of what someone has done. Now, in this case, I'm not saying that this woman is lying in this Derek um, case. I'm not saying that at all, so please do not misquote me there. But the evidence, as it has been discussed by the legal analysts and, uh, and has been put in the stories of the media, indicate that that's possible that's what has occurred here. So when it comes to relationships, one, it's important to clearly define what role you have to each other, uh, particularly when sex is involved. Men, women have feelings, and I know you do too, uh, but few women um, who are not prostitutes, you know, are, 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 are willing to, to do certain things. So you want to be very, very clear, clear on it. Women, he's not your cash cow. So don't tie, you know, the money part to, to that particular situation and so forth. Um, men, be upfront. Don't lie to women about how you feel uh, or, or do not feel about them. You know, I've told my sons this over and over again. Do not lie to the woman about how you feel. You're young. Yes, you can date a lot of people and so forth. But be very clear upfront that this person is not the only one. Do not drag them along or, or make them think that they are the only one just because you want to have sex. That is... Uh, Totally callous, you know, I consider that to be a very callous behavior. And women, um, you know, the men, particularly these ballers and so forth, they're not your cash cow. Don't lie just to get some money. And for both men and women, for relationships in general, um, remember that karma is a reality. The energy you extend toward others comes back to you. So when we're treating people in very negative ways, that's going to come back to us in some way. And it may not come back to you in the way that you think. So just because you mistreat someone of the opposite sex or even of the same sex, of course, just because you mistreat them, do not think it's going to come back showing up as a relationship issue. It may come back in um, how you are physically. It may come back in how other people treat you, but it may come back in some other domain or aspect of your life. So karma is... um, you know, we're all interconnected. So when we, when we, it's like a domino, you know, you push something somewhere and if it's a negative way, then it's going to come back to you in a very negative way. So for both men and women, let go of the ego, you know, that part of you that always has to, you know, have it your way. Uh, It's all about you. It's not about other people. You're not considering other people. Let go of that. Because that, that is the piece that um, really impacts the relationships. So our sizzling topic, the, the, a big question I'm going to leave you with at the end of this sizzling topic is how does your ego get you into trouble? Something to think about. Now, Derek Rose, you know, he, he, he is who he is and he has, uh, put himself in a situation that has, even though the court says he's not in trouble, it's definitely tainted his public image somewhat. 
And it's something he now has to think about. Same for the woman who's involved, his accuser in the situation. You know, if, if it's the case that she's really just after the cash, then this also uh, puts her out there on the line as well. So sizzling topics, Derek Rose, there you have it. So now we're going to move right into our, our conversation with Todd Lamincy, who's our guest for today. And as I indicated, our main topic is managing the ego. And I want to tell you a little bit about Todd before uh, he uh, starts sharing uh, all of the information about managing the ego with us. Todd is a business and motivational speaker with a specialization in personal accountability and business accountability. He is an expert in ego control. I say Derek Rose could have definitely abused him and in keeping things in proper perspective. Now, Todd is a national speaker awardee who has spoken to over 500 corporations since about 2008. He's mentored CEO level executives and conducted hands-on training with mid-level managers. He's an expert at helping struggling companies restore their productivity, uh, including that he's designed sales programs for more than 50 direct sales organizations. He's an aggressive entrepreneur who's started several extremely successful businesses, and he's authored three books, one in which we are delving into today, and that one is Lose Your Ego Gain the World. Welcome, Todd. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm so happy that you could join us. Me too. Thank you for having me on. Well, this is fantastic. I have been uh, uh, looking at your information and so forth. And I think you have a lot to share. I don't know if you heard our opening, but I was talking about the Derek Rose situation. And he's one of many, of course, um, sports figures and public figures who uh, have overstepped their bounds. And a part of it, I think, is because of the ego that they carry around, uh, helping them to think that they can uh, uh, do a little bit of everything that they want to do (laughs) uh, in our world. (laughs) But I do it. Yeah, yeah, I followed that story closely, and it reminds me of and the Tiger Woods, where you know your brand is worth a lot, and and you just devalue yourself, and you know very quickly overnight. Yes, yes, and, and, and it's uh, I find it amazing though because the stories are out there and they're very public. So I find it amazing when somebody else comes along and does it. I'm sort of like, well, wait a minute. Didn't you learn from the other public stories? <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> Absolutely. And I could, I could tell you from personal experience, and I, I didn't have the success or the fame at any level that they did. But in my business world, I think a lot of times you, you've insulated yourself with so many yes men and women that you just become delusional. And I like to say you believe your own BS, that you think that you can do – the rules don't apply to you. And I, and I think that's the case of this. Oh, I think more my. so with men. I think we don't mature. This is going to sound sexist against men. I don't think we mature. <laughs> I think we just get older, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think there are a lot of women who would agree with you because I've often heard the, <laughs> the, the, the term that, you know, men, men you know, the, you, they remain children. You know, their toys just get larger <laughs> and more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so, so that's amazing then. So I, cause I really want to delve into this uh, somewhat and, and in light of 
of what has what's going on, of course, with Trump as well, since we're you know here in the United States and in the middle of our elections, or almost coming to the end of our elections. But the tape that came out about him and what he was saying, and he's of course considered by many to be a very successful business person. So, uh, and it appears there's a lot of ego there as well uh, that's going on. Yeah, there Go is, and there's a lot. There's a lot, you know, and it's very it's. It's hard for people to understand. I've been through um, my own. I've been in the construction side of the business, and and there's a lot of you know he's releasing about how much money he's made, and it turns out that he lost a lot of money and took down a lot of contractors, and and it doesn't it doesn't bid well for being a brilliant businessman if, if you lose a billion dollars, right? I don't think so. <laughs> and I, think I don't think so, but a lot of people are still tooting that he's yeah. a lot of people are still tooting that he's a great businessman. I didn't see that considering the number of bankruptcies and the amount of loss. I was like, really? Well, yeah. well you know, a well, lot what that's of, doing is you collect the money and then you just BK everybody when it's time to pay the bills. That that's that's in its simplest form, and that's really, you know, that's really what it is. Um, okay, yeah, that is the strategy then. Yes, it's a strategy. Yeah. It doesn't work well for you in the long run. You know, maybe as long as it'll lot, he's alive, it'll work for him, but not in the absolutely long yeah. run. So I want to get into your book because your book is okay. all about the ego and so forth. So I, I want to find out from you because you just said something about your own personal experience. Is it your personal experience that led you to write this book? It is. And, and what happened was I had a lot of success early in, in in my business life and and I started to really take things for granted. I started to overindulge. I kind of had a sense of entitlement that I thought that this was I was smarter than everybody, I worked harder than everybody and that this was my reward. So I started to kind of um take my business for granted and take keep an eye on it. I took my personal relationships for granted and I and I started spending money and and having Instead of just having one breakfast, I had two breakfasts. Instead of having one drink, I had ten drinks. And uh, it kind of snowballed, and it spilled over into my business and, and kind of kind of ruined my life. So the book is about um, keeping things in proper perspective and controlling your ego and, and seeing things for the not the way you want them to be or the way they should be, but the way they are. I, well, you know, that's interesting because a lot of – I mean, there's – there's a lot of conversation in the spiritual world about how reality is not necessarily what you think it is. And of course I'm in you know, sociology and psychology and all that. So I would say that my reality is not necessarily your reality. So what is it that someone can do? Because I, I, I found out you have three ways you say that overconfidence can make a fool of you. So yeah, about those three ways, because I want to know how people can, I want, I want to find out how can people know that they're in an ego situation or an ego moment? Because you said that people are, you weren't conscious of it until it got you. How can you know that you're there? I think you have to just focus on being a little more sensitive. And, and I, I think all of us as humans, and you, know, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, we, we kind of think we're the actor or actress of our own movie. And, oh, and everyone's course. kind of around us. <laughs> The problem, of course, is what? We're the only one with the script, and no one else is playing along. You know, and, and I think that I, I, everyone in a, my, someone, a woman I know who she's a, she's a book publisher, she said everyone has a book in them about either something they've accomplished or something that they've survived. 
And so I, I think it's good to just kind of get out of self and focus on the people around you. You know, I think a lot of times in businesses, and, and, uh, and I'm guilty of this, we think we have to go somewhere else to be successful. You know, but there's as many different ways to make a million dollars as there are millionaires. So usually things are a lot closer to us than we realize. It's really within us. You know, everything is. <laughs> well, yes, reality. that's right. I, yeah, definitely. Everything is within us. So, okay, then let's go to your personal story then to, to find out what is it that became that catalyst that helped you break out of being stuck in your ego? And the reason I'm asking this is because when 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 we're when we're in the busyness of living in our business our family and so forth we tend not to be self-aware we tend to be focusing only on the doing part so what is it that was your catalyst that had you do that turnaround that you can all of a sudden see oh wait a minute this is how i am it's hard humble being humble that we all needed it, it really hurts you know, and we need at different points of our lives. Um, sometimes it's in a relationship, a broken heart, or, or, or sometimes it's health things. When, the you know, a doctor has a serious talk with you and you realize, okay, <laughs> I can't do the things I've been doing anymore. And it doesn't right. always, you know, it doesn't take right away. We're stubborn and we're stuck in our ways. So, unfortunately, it takes us kind of losing something until, at least with me, it takes something extreme because I can be stubborn to the point of stupid. You know, so what, unless so I'm what in did a lot of pain, I don't change. <laughs> so, so what did you lose? Personally, I've lost, um, well, at the, at my bottom of bottoms, uh, you know, the, the doctor was saying, if you keep going like this, you're not going to be around too long. I lost multiple houses and businesses and a marriage and pretty much everything. And when you, oh, when wow. you go, when, yeah, when you lose everything, it's funny. People think you're broke. You wish you were broke. You're behind. <laughs> you got to make money to be broke. So. Oh wow! So you lost the marriage, and you lost the businesses, and yeah. friends, and all of that. Oh wow! Oh, absolutely, employees and good employees. Um, that's another thing too. When you're doing your own business, good good people, people who are grounded, people who have their ego and are, are thinking of things in the right perspective, will see value in everybody. If you find yourself thinking that everybody, you know, oh, you know, if I just got some better people around me, or if you don't see value in everybody in your life, and that's not just your work relationship, but your home relationships, you're going to know that you're not on. If, if all of a sudden all you see is everyone can't do anything right, and you're the only one that does everything right, then you get, you're, you're in trouble at that point. And everyone's felt like that at some point in their lives. I think if everyone would just do what they're supposed to do, then I'd be okay. Right. That's a good one. That's a really good one. No, that's a really good one because I, I can I can see how people would get there. You know, that's a, particularly if they've been if they're being very successful, and mm-hmm. and they and they and they have the money. They've got you know whatever family they want. You know they've got the cars and the houses. I can see them getting there. About I know how to have it done because I've done it. I know how to do it. Now, and you, you got to be careful this, too about. Go ahead. You got to be careful what you what you see as success. You know, all my friends are successful in different areas. I have people who are spiritually successful. I have people who are successful marriages, um, successful exercise. You know, the the triathlon friends, and it seems like whatever people obsess about a little bit is what they're successful in. So, you don't want to be too. Everyone kind of the money thing is something we can measure, right? <laughs> we can right. measure mm-hmm. money, 
And yes. it's the most dangerous one because you you start to get a, a feeling of superiority. You think, oh, I make more money than this person, so I'm more financially secure. Well, you're not. You're probably living paycheck to paycheck anyways. So you got to be careful when you start thinking that way. And particularly, a lot of people who have money tend to live that by that money, which I, what I mean is, so if I'm making a million, then I'm living life in the million dollar range, which means I'm spending the money. Absolutely. And you're just one disaster away from it all being gone. I mean, you're just a day away. You know, you don't realize that. So be mindful so of that. Okay, so I want to I want to let's talk about the like, little Derrick Rose kind of situation, a lot of the sports figures kind of situations. We've had a lot of of situations going on with it. The uh, ESPN always has their sex scandals. We just had the big uh, was it Fox? So, so, yeah, the Fox. All of those sexual scandals. Of course, got the Trump video and so forth. That's out. Is it the ego that has these men? And I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to men bash, but these are the examples that are out there. <laughs> is it, is it yeah. the, the ego that has these men actually objectifying women this way? I think so. I, I think they're, you know, when you see somebody as, as, you know, it's certainly men aren't like that all the time. I think when I, hear, when I see that stuff, I, I was at church and they were saying, Nine out of ten men are into pornography. I said, that can't be true. You know, I think there's a lot of negativity towards men overall, and, and this doesn't, you know, this doesn't serve well for for athletes. And I had a friend. He played in the NFL for 12 years, and and he told me he told me this. I'll never forget this. I asked him about uh, the partying, you know, because these guys are famous, and we think of them having lots of girlfriends. And he said it's exactly split 50-50. He said half of the guys are just family men and go home to their wife and kids, and the other half go out. He said, it's not based on their position, their ethnicity. It's just the way it is. And I thought, isn't that interesting? <laughs> the half of them don't feel like they have to do that. They're just, they, they treat it like a regular job, and they have a family, and that wouldn't even cross their mind to go to a nightclub. And, you know. And do you think age has anything to do with it? He says it doesn't. Oh, okay. You know, you know what? I, 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 so I, I, I can see I mean, that he would be right. I, I think he could be right because, I mean, well, one, Trump is not a youngster. And, uh, yeah. uh, and a lot of Men the people – Men don't mature, we just get older. <laughs> right, exactly. And the ESPN. Yeah. And we've had those friends who in, in high school who were, were already grown-ups, the way they lived their life, and they've always been like that. I just think it's, a, it's in their DNA, you know, and, and – uh, maturity i've always been a little over emotional my emotional maturity hasn't caught up with my my physical maturity sometimes so i can be a little up and down and it serves me well at times but it's uh hello Hello? are you there hello hello are you there i'm here i got cut off okay yes we did for some reason uh so my question I said, do you think that the whole issue of ego dictating how a person uh, moves in life more attributed to triple, I can't even talk anymore, attributable to men than to women? <laughs> Excuse me there. I am not an expert. At 42 years old, I have not figured women out yet. So I'm still working out myself. <laughs> They're much more complicated. And I'm very, I've are. been interested in them for about, about, how many years? Probably, probably <laughs> thirty-five years or so. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think the what's interesting. I think the um, the ego is there for women, but I think it shows up in a different way. 
So um, I think it definitely shows up in a different way. Uh, women's egos definitely come out, I think, a lot around how they look, you know, uh, who's beautiful, yeah. uh, uh, who can get what man, uh, you know, those kinds of things, you know, how do I show up, you know, for the guy. I, I think the and, – and but then also sometimes around intelligence, it really depends on the woman, but it does show up sometimes in various ways. But so – Let's move in into your book more in detail because I'm looking at your book appears to be not just uh, a book but also a journal uh, guide yeah, and so forth. I've been doing uh, training now for businesses about eliminating negativity from the workplace, and, and it's kind of it's kind of a guide, but it, it tells my story and just tells stories about different kinds of people I've worked with and and different traps I've fallen into as far as. Um, Victim thinking, uh, we talked about before, thinking that I was the center of the universe and kind of dealing with different, difficult kind of people. Try to avoid, I'm very careful about who I give my time to because not everyone deserves our time. You know, that's the one thing we only have a certain amount of. We only have a certain amount of heartbeats. So spend your time with people who bring you up, not that bring you down. We t- you know, with teenagers and stuff, what do we always say? Say, be careful who you spend hang around with, right? Right, right. <laughs> we, we don't do that do. as adults. Adults, we don't <laughs> do that. We keep around. And some of them are well disguised. You know, they take us in because they, they need that. Some of them are family members. There are certain family members that we should only talk to on their birthday and maybe a holiday. I agree with Sometimes you totally. We feel <laughs> o- do you? <laughs> we feel no, obligated because they've known us for a long time. And they drain us. You know, I have friends who, who um, on the topic of, of women, that, that fight with their sisters daily. They love their sister, but they spend a good part of their life complaining about their sister, fighting with their sister daily. They, I mean, what an exhausting way to spend your life, fighting with a very, sister when you're yeah, very a grown exhausting. woman. You both are. <laughs> yeah, very exhausting. Very exhausting. I tell people all the time to do a relationship intel. That's that's one of the big things I promote is do do that every year. At the beginning, at the end of every year, I do a, re, uh, a relationship intel to determine who should remain in my life for the upcoming year. And oh, that's interesting, like a like a resolution kind of thing. Well, yeah, but I consciously do it because everyone should does not need to be in your life. And I agree with you that some people only need to be you check in with them periodically. You know, mm-hmm. holiday time is where I do a check-in with family members. And, you know, then there's some people who drain you. And interestingly, a lot of times people don't recognize who's draining them. They And they do feel that obligation part, like you said, uh, that I, mm-hmm. I have to, you know, I've known this person for a long time. They've stood by me. Uh, they I grew up with them. Uh, they are my blood. Okay, yes, but if they're not contributing to your life in a positive manner and it doesn't have to be that they're giving you something. The giving could be something just like energy when they're around you, they're positive. Uh, You know, it doesn't have to be anything monetary or or anything or tangible, but if they're, if they're draining you in any way, then you just don't need to spend time around them. I mean, well, why would I want to fight with someone most of my life? (laughs) Absolutely. I like to put the, put on the list. I like this person in small doses like medication. You know? Yes, that's great. And, um, oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna use that and one. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes people' insecurities are they play into our insecurities too. I think bullies come in different, different shapes and sizes. You know, um, I think we 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 
think of the bully, a kid-sized bully. Well, there's a lot of grown-up bullies, too, that we work with. And, and if you're kind of a natural follower, you got to be careful that we don't get bossed around by a more dominant person, you know, that, that what we have to say means something, too. You know, and, and I'm more of an agreeable person. I don't like to – I try to avoid conflict, but I don't agree with everything. And now, you know, as I've gotten older, I, I say what I think, and I say it in a nice way, but I don't just let people kind of push me around. And people make you feel bad because you, you can't drop everything and spend time with them. But I just want to be real careful about who who I give that to. Because life is so okay. hard already. It's so negative. So <laughs> you don't need any more. You don't need to welcome it. And meet it for okay. coffee or, or lunch. Exactly. So now let's, we were talking about family and, and that piece about not spending time with people. But what about the workplace? Because you do a lot of coaching and, and uh, training in the workplace and so forth. In the workplace, what's your perspective regarding, okay, I have this coworker and I can't avoid the person because they're in the office with me. So how would you handle that? then I can't necessarily only talk to them uh, at Chris at the holiday time. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to seek out certain people. This is the thing about work. We spend as much time at work as we do with our loved ones at home. Yeah. And a lot more. of times we, we, yeah. When we obsess about it, a lot of times we go to work and um, we, <laughs> we work for 10 hours and we go home, we worry about it for another five hours, actually losing sleep. So we can actually spend a good part of our whole life at work. At least mentally. That's sad. That is so sad. It is. And when we're at work, what do we think about? Being home, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know why. Work time is our time, too. So, and it is hard. You, you, and I've been at a lot of different companies, and it isn't based on certain businesses. Like steel mills aren't more negative than hospitals. You know, one thing that really shocking to me was how many people in healthcare. You think of doctors and nurses being, you know, salt of the earth, healers, right? The best people mm-hmm. to be around. Yeah. But sometimes the toxic, cancerous, it gets in the workplace, and, and um, the only way, to, the only a lot, the best way to get it, to get away from it is to get away from it. You know, if you're in right. that kind of workplace, to go do, to do something else. Right. You yeah. Know, a lot of different work, workplaces. Or in other departments, or you know, and that's an extreme case. There's ways to handle people by being polite, and and people get it. You know, this is the kind of stuff we learned in kindergarten. If you don't play well with the rest, of how the rest of the kids are doing, they don't talk to you. And you can still do that as an adult, too. Oh, unfortunately, a lot of people still act like two-year-olds. They act like they're in a, in a, like a, a lot of workplaces, <laughs> I think, or you know, a lot of workplaces are at like adult daycares. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> Gossiping and yeah. bullying and stuff you yeah. would think you'd get out of your – yeah. I tell people that who swear too much. You know, swearing wasn't cool when we were in the fourth grade, and it isn't now. You know, not that I don't but swear they, sometimes, but – well, they think, well, I, I couldn't do it when I was a kid, so now I'm going to rebel and do it all the time. <laughs> I just think happens. it's funny. Yeah, we all know those words. Sex and violence are not a new thing, I promise. It's no, been around not for a all. long time. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to talk with you about, you said uh, that there are three ways overconfidence can make a fool of you. What are those three ways? Uh the the one the big one being delusionally about about how great you are you know a lot of times when someone um, tells you the story about how they become successful they tell you about all the bad things that have happened right but they don't tell you about all the people that have helped them and all the breaks that they've had ah 
So, and that's that's as much of the story as the rest of it. Because every no one, I don't care how successful. I'll say Beyonce, right? She's a successful singer. Well, she's had um, singing, dance, dance classes. Her parents have helped her. She's practiced. She has a singing coach even today, even though she's well, you know. So everyone has people help them. So anytime that you have to, you know, not start thinking that I'm better than everybody else, you know. Okay. Well, what's the next one? Uh, the, one. the way to have confidence is it can end. It can end tomorrow, you know. And keep that in mind. One health problem stuff, and that's going to keep you humble. It's also okay, going to keep cool. you keep you working, and and you know, anytime. Have you ever had a point where you say, "Well, if I just had more time, I'd get something done." And when you oh, have yes, more I'll time, what you, <laughs> and what do you do? You don't do anything, right? You get lazy. Right. You don't do anything. Uh, and I hate to look back at a day and go, what did I accomplish today? <laughs> you know, and I had all that time to really do something. Yeah. And definitely... the third one being just, is just getting out of self and, and, and being of service. A lot of times in our, in now we're, we're such a reward-based thinking. We don't want to do something unless we know we're going to get something back. And that's just oh, the that's wrong so attitude. True. You want to get in the process of, of, of doing more, being, you know, giving more, doing more. And then you'll win in the long run. You'll get even more, but you'll, you know, you'll be beyond blessed. Fabulous. Thank you for those three uh, ways of overconfidence. Now, you know, we all, we're always taught to be confident, that being confident is the way to be successful. But you actually indicate in your work that overconfidence can actually be dangerous. How so? What do you mean by well, that? I think you know, in the business world, I've learned that the smartest people say the least amount. They listen. The smartest person in the room, or the most powerful person in the room, is never is not usually doing the talking. And I think that we think that we have to always, you know, I am an extrovert, and I think it's hard for me to keep con- contained. You know, I went to a, I don't know if you ever done Toastmasters, the communication class. Yes. Okay, so so you know how that program works. It, it makes people who are painfully shy get up and do public speaking. Right. But for people like you and me who don't have that fear, it let, makes us listen, which is even more of an amazing thing, you know. <laughs> right. Definitely. Definitely. And, and I not wait to, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I and I teach presentation and communication classes, and that's the whole thing. The big thing is. How do you listen? And that's the most important part of every conversation is that you can actually listen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, great. So you also indicate that overconfidence affects the workplace. Is that an extension of how it can be dangerous? It is can be dangerous because when you become overconfident, you start to believe that we're the best. And we, you know, if you're not improving on what you're doing, if you're not trying to get better and using other sports and, and singing less, you know, Carrie, Carrie Underwood has a singing coach today. Tiger Woods has a golf coach today. You know, and in the business world, you know, these companies will go out and they'll seek out people with industry-specific experience only. They'll say, we're only going to hire these kind of people. Right. We've got this education. This, and then as soon as they get to our company, what do we tell them? We don't want to hear anything about your old company. This is how we do things here. That is that is that is exactly what we tell new hires in the companies. That's exactly Isn't that what we stupid. Tell. <laughs> Why I, do we I, hire I people always, with experience that if we're not going to listen to them? I always think it's very interesting because they do that and and they don't want you to say anything, but they'll hire an external consultant to come in and tell 
them the same thing the internal person has told them. That's which is why I became an external consultant. <laughs> because they didn't listen go. to me on the inside, so I became external so that I could be heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the <sighs> company will hire you back and they wouldn't listen to you. Isn't it ridiculous? And those problems exactly. with overconfidence is older people won't listen to younger people and vice versa. I think that's a problem in our culture. You know, the young people think they know everything and the old people think they know everything. And the truth of it is neither one's right. They both have different skill sets. Exactly. You know, and I think when you need diversity, you need diversity in a workplace very much. And you need to listen to everybody, bring different skills like a sports team. You know, you have people with different body types play different positions. You know, and you need to see the workplace like that. You know, and overconfidence is, you know, we're better. Every sports team is always recruiting, looking for the next player. And companies need to do that now. They think that we're set. You're never set. You need to always be looking. And looking for people isn't having, a, you know, a, a job listed on a job board. It's when, you, when you're out networking, meeting people, doing Toastmasters, doing different communication classes. If you meet someone who's spectacular, why wouldn't you want to put them on your team? Exactly. We're not hiring. You're always hiring if the person's a 10, right? Why wouldn't you hire someone who's a 10? And also, I'll add Craigslist ad. Right. And what I'll add to what you're saying is, and also recognize what skill sets are actually within your company, because oftentimes what the organization does is they, they do hire people in and they try to hire the best, but then they don't actually pay attention to what are the skill sets that the people we've hired actually have, how could they really contribute to the organization and where, uh, you know, they, they put them in a cog and they, or a wheel, they want to, they want them to stay right there in that area. And, and so mm-hmm. it becomes, it becomes the case where the company could be more, way more profitable or way more effective if they really knew how to utilize the diversity that they actually have. Absolutely. And, we, and what, do we, what do we look for when we hire people? We look for people like ourselves because, we're, oh, yeah. because we want people agreeable <laughs> with us. And that's the problem. We don't need a bunch of clones of Jessica. We don't need 20 Jessicas. We already have a Jessica. You know, so, and I don't think there's enough creativity that's rewarded in the workplace, too, because that's the people who, who are going to take things to the next level. You know, just, just clocking in and just doing that stuff. The people who are the good communicators and, and more creative, are, in my opinion, more valuable because there's not that many of them. So you got to be careful not to stifle when people do have good ideas, not just to dismiss okay. it because it's a David and David's dumb, you know? <laughs> I agree. I totally this might agree. might be David's because... one good idea. We'll make, make a million <laughs> bucks, you know? <laughs> we better listen, you know? There's not going to have another one. That's so true. That is so true. <laughs> you know, that is so true because, uh, you know, and, and unfortunately, I think you mentioned something that I saw in your, in your write-up is that is acknowledging the fact that people are flawed creatures and accept that. And I think that's one of the things also in the organization is that the rec- not recognizing that people are human. They are, and we are too, you know, and not, yeah. and not being too easy on some people and too hard on other people, but trying to keep an even. Being equitable, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I was at an org- that, that spend their life. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I mean, valuing people who, you know, again, this is a, this is a very important part of their life. I mean, they spend ten hours with you every day, you know, and, and getting the most out of them. A lot, a lot of times, I, I I think that we underestimate other people, and we don't like it when we're underestimated or someone in our family is underestimated. But we tend to do that to other people. We tend to put them in a box of of this is their value, 
And I think we devalue some people and we overvalue other people. And I think if you're going to be a good leader, you need to just see everybody as the same. And it's not easy to do. It takes some time. Okay. So. And, and I, and I, I, I'm gonna, I disagree with you just a little bit on just the wording of seeing everybody the same, but more about seeing everyone equitable uh, because everyone's not the same as far as what they contribute. But I agree with you in that if we can see every contribution as being valuable. So the janitor is as valuable as the CEO in their particular contribution to the organization. Well said. <laughs> because I mean, it's, it's, it. <laughs> because it's so interesting. Because oftentimes, what happens, of course, though, is we do value that CEO more by paying them a millions of dollars, possibly, uh, and we don't pay the janitor enough to even to be able to live in the area, possibly. But you know, yeah. so it's it's also being equitable, you know, because that that person still has to live. So why are you giving this person millions? Uh, and this person is not considered valuable where at least they're getting paid enough to live. So I, I find Absolutely. that interesting in, in, in organizations that they do put that value based on almost you're more valuable because of that position. You know, Absolutely. even though they, they even though they go around tooting the horn of we're all valuable to the company and we all contribute. <laughs> right. <laughs> So uh, another thing you I, I saw in, in one of your write-ups was that you indicated that your passion for work could ruin your career. Please share with us what you mean by that. Well, um, I talk a lot about healthy obsessions. You know, I think a lot. Of, I think we only really get to anything in life if we have some sort of healthy obsession about it. You know, anything you've gotten that's. You, know, you don't go to medical school with the with the mindset of uh, it'd be nice if I become a doctor. You know, you go with a <laughs> right. passion and an obsession that you're going to be studying and you're going to be doing residency. We're going to be doing 14, 15 hour days. You know, it takes that to, to get that. So, I think a lot of times, um, again, time being a time burglar is make sure you're you're in um, a line of something that you want to do. You know, I think we're all created with something that we're special at. Make sure you're doing that. Because if you just spend your life at work, you know, you're not going to get better just going to work every day. The things that are going to get you ahead of what you do after work. So, and, and, and people who are really successful realize that. They take classes. They, they, they write a book. They do whatever it is. But it's after work. It isn't during work. Work just pays the bills. So if you want to get better, you're going to have to do a lot more than you're doing now. After work. Oh, okay. I like that. Do more after work. Okay. Okay. So be passionate about your entire life, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And always be better in yourself. Be working on, you know, new projects. Um, hmm. 24 hours opposed- a day. Try to use all of them. Sleep less, work so, more, you know. So, so as opposed to sitting around and binging on television? <laughs> <laughs> the average American watches five hours of television. Now, since I've been doing training, it's gone from three hours all the way up to five hours. Isn't that terrible? That, so that's a lot of hours. And that you're saying per day, correct? Seven days a week. So over a that's lifetime. 30, that's 35 hours. Wait a minute. Then that's five times seven. That's 35 hours during the week. That's like having a job. That's a part-time job. That's the average. All, almost that's almost the, full-time. <laughs> yeah, what do you get out of it? It's a distraction from from things. That's all it is. Oh, 
Hey, that, I, I like that. That's so. That's thir- that's almost a part time job, almost a full time job. Because thirty five hours taking you almost close to to forty. So that's you could have done a whole nother job for those hours that you mm-hmm. sat there and watched television. Or do something that has a future yet you have a passion for. As right, you could have just watching TV. Could have created your own business. Right. And, and put 35 hours into it for, for during the week. <laughs> I mean, it really, when you, I mean, when I'm really sitting here thinking about it, I'm going, dang, that's, you could have created a whole nother business along with whatever work, you know, company you're working at. That's, that's 35 hours. You could create, a, <laughs> invent something. Oh, wow. That, yeah. That's a lot to think. That's a lot that people should really consider. So um, anything, give us at least one point. In, in ending our interview, at least one major point from your book that you want to share with our listeners. Anything that you want to share? Um, live with passion and, and enjoy. These are the good old days. So enjoy. Be mindful of where you're at now. You know, I think okay. a lot of times we just busy ourselves with texting and social media and, and um, so we busy ourselves and, and we're not, we miss, we miss out a lot, a lot of things. So I would say your, your work time is your work time. Your home time is your home time and separate the two. Okay. When you're at work, be at work. <laughs> and when you're at home, be at home. How many times have we lost sleep and stressed ourselves out to gray hair and, and medical problems over work? And then it turns out a couple of years later, we're not even with that company anymore. What a waste of time. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Which is interesting. To we'll have to tell that. We'll have to tell the president of the United States there because every president that enters uh, into office, by the time they leave office, they've turned gray if they weren't gray when they entered office. <laughs> yeah, they've aged them like 100 years, right? <laughs> they do. They, they do. They really do. Tell okay, so. Successful job. <laughs> you can see it on so, their faces. You certainly can. You certainly can. So we're entering now what's called the deep episode on our show. And the deep episode is a segment of the show in which we call our listeners to action. And so since you're here with us, Todd, what we do is we give our listeners at least a couple of things that they can take forward to work on in their lives based on the topic we've covered. So the topic today was about managing the ego, you know, based out of your book. And so what is one thing that you could ask our listeners to do in their lives on this particular topic to move forward with something that they have to do. I think what you said is something I'm going to do today is evaluate um, people and not judge people, but put them in um, the, is this someone I talk to every month, every day or, or, you know, or never. <laughs> I think that's important. <laughs> doing I, that I've relationship intel. Yeah. Doing a relationship yeah. intel. Well, you know, what's so funny. I have a, a, a great colleague and friend, uh, and he actually does this every year and he sends letters out to the people that will no long, he will no longer have in his life. And he sends them yeah. a letter and lets them know that I, at this point in my life, I've decided we, we no longer need to continue our relationship and I wish you the best in life, you know, many blessings. He does the whole thing. <laughs> but a breakup do not, letter. Yeah, but you, exactly a breakup letter, but you know, do not, I will not be calling you in the future and you do not have to call me. <laughs> but to your listeners, this is what I would do is I would find five people that are people I need to spend more time with because there's oh, that's a good many one. of those out there too. You that's know, a great I, one. as a kid growing up, I, 
I went from being, um, I was very, um, I moved around a lot. So I kind of worked on getting popular. And what I realized was the popular crowd, kids have a higher standard. That's why they're popular. They have a higher standard for, for, um, for academics, for athletic, being athletes. So it's harder to get into that group because they're actually more interesting. The kids who don't do as much activities, who aren't into whatever, they're not as interesting because they're not doing as much. So find people who may be different areas that, you know, that you maybe if you're, if you're not a big traveler, find, find people that you can really learn something from and that you can be of value to too. We all meet those people, but those people are busier. You know, the people that <laughs> have more going for them are harder to, to pin down. So maybe okay. find five people that you're going to, you're going to replace this five people with these five people. And I think your life will, it'll enrich your life. Excellent. Excellent. I will add to that listeners uh, to, to think about how is your ego getting in the way of your accomplishing what you want to accomplish to think about that want that question, address that question as well. So we have about three action calls to actions listeners. The first one is doing your relationship Intel. The second one, uh, come up with five people that you want to spend more time with, really, uh, really learn from, and that, can be a, that you can be of value to as well. And then the last one, of course, number three, is to begin to look at how is your ego getting in the way of your accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Todd, I want to thank you so much for being here. Please share with our listeners how they can get in touch with you and find your book. Um. Todd, Todd Lament's author. My last name is spelled uh, L-E-M-E-N-S-E. And if you email me, uh, Todd underscore Lament at Yahoo, I will send you a free copy of my best-selling book. So. Fabulous. Thank you. Love- Listeners, you hear that? Do the email, <laughs> and he will send you a free copy of the book. Oh, that's fabulous. Now, is your book only – can they buy it only from your website, or can they find it on Amazon as it's, well? It's exclusively on Amazon. So, but if again, if you contact me uh, directly through the website or, or through Twitter, um, I will send it to you. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being here, Todd. It was fabulous having you on the show. And we hope to have you thank back you around so again sometime. Take care. I would love that. Have, have a great day. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for being here. You have been listening to Cut the Crap with Udall. And where we transform relationships one conversation at a time. Uh, you can join us at the same place, same time next week. Uh, and you can always uh, go to Blog Talk Radio and hear the show at a later date. The show will be up uh, at least for uh, a week. And we had uh, our guest was Todd Lemency. Uh, and he was an absolutely fabulous guest. And please go to his website and to get his uh, free book that he's offered to you as listeners. So this is Udall signing off. Uh, join us next week, same place, same time. Thank you for joining our conversation. Join us again next week, same place, same time, at Cut the Crap with Udall. 